Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Cricketers Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. We are back to recap the world in cricket. And what a week it has been from yet another Indian prodigy to a Timmy David masterclass for the Aussies. Here to discuss it with me is, as always, Cricket Australia commentator, former Sydney Sixers media manager, Maxie Bryden. Maxie, how are you, mate? G'day, Timo, mate. As Smash Mouth said, the hits keep coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> this cricket season just keeps going on and on, and I'm absolutely here for it. What a week it's been. Maxie, I think I touched on it uh, on last week's episode, but I feel like this is where we, we really we really have relevance to, to the listeners because the Australian summer is over. We've headed over to New Zealand now. You know, we start to take, you know, players uh, the middle part of the year will go over to England. They'll play in county cricket. Aside from the Aussies, there's a bunch going on around the world as well. And this is where we can keep people up to date. Also here to discuss that with me, my next guest, a cricketing tragic, the number one advocate for the Canberra Commons Big Bash bid. Hammy Goodman. Hammy, welcome back, mate. Timmy, um, good to be back with you. You too, Maxie. Bring them back. What are we waiting for? The Canberra Comets. Uh, it is high time they get back into some sort of domestic competition. There is a groundswell for the Big Bash. I feel like they're not far away. And yeah, I think it's it's high time we, we bring them back. It's been a big week for me. Uh, actually, since we've spoken last, I took my uh, beautiful partner down to the Marsh Cup uh, fixture out at North Sydney Oval. Um, she was a little bit uh, disappointed with that as a Valentine's Day date, I've, I've got to be honest. She was... Um, <laughs> She was really sort of hoping for a Sheffield Shield uh, fixture, but unfortunately the, um, the fixturing didn't allow for that this year. Maybe next year um, I'll be able to, to serve that up for her. But, um, yeah, big week. She got to see – I mean, we'll, we'll tell our kids about the day we saw Tom Rogers, um, you know, set the, the second highest Vic domestic 50-over score of all time. Um, beautiful game, but uh, good to be back to discuss it with you guys who probably appreciate it a little bit more than she did. Lucky yeah, lady. it is an interesting one because she she always has been a purist of the game, prefers the longer format, the shield, as you said. Uh, she's always just been she's always been against every conversation I've had with her against white ball cricket. Reckon it's just shits and giggles and a bit stupid. But did, did she? You know, she saw a Rogers masterclass. Was that okay for her? Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I mean you, you're spot on there. She's a, more of a traditionalist, but um, you know, certainly a special innings. And uh, the fact that there's a, a Greg Chapel cricket store adjoining. The um the ground was just a nice little cherry on top. Um, went in there, had a bit of shadow batting, and uh, had a look at a few of the uh, few of the, the retro ridgebacks. So I think we salvaged what was a little bit of an awkward um, start to the date there uh, towards the end, which was nice. Very very good, boys. On today's show, the appeal is there room for Steve Smith in the Australian T Twenty squad, or are his days numbered? You boys in your head to head arguing both sides. 
of that debate. The Australia versus New Zealand Test Series preview. What's at stake for the Aussies? Can the Kiwis turn around a history of poor results at home against their trans-Tasman rivals? Bazball, boys, it's going to dust in India. We discuss whether or not it's time for Brendan McCullum to give it up. Uh, and we're going to have a good chat as well about Jaiswal, the Indian opener, back-to-back double tons in that India-England series. How good can this kid be? Because he is absolutely phenomenal on what we've seen so far. Boys, let's get straight into it. Uh, we'll get fired up early. We'll start with the appeal. As I mentioned, the Australian T20 side, a pretty remarkable finish to that game uh, in the first of the series. Timmy David going bonkers alongside Mitch Marsh to get us out of trouble there to win that one against the Black Caps. It's a really strong side we've got there at the moment. I mentioned Tim David, who's sort of starting to play himself into a regular spot in that side. Mitchie Marsh is flying there at number three. Matty Short's lower down the order. We know he can bat anywhere, and he's a great prospect as well. Steve Smith, he's 35 in June. We're preparing for another T20 World Cup coming up this this year. Maxie, I will start with you, mate. What do you think? Is there room for Steve Smith in the T20 side, or do you think his days are numbered there? Well, to answer this, I want you to cast your mind back just a few months ago to the 50-over equivalent, the World Cup back then, uh, held in a little country called India. Now, before that tournament, so many of these same arguments were coming out. He's done. He's losing his eyes. Technique's weird. It's not going to sort of stand up as he gets a bit older. Now, how well did he go in that tournament? Well, well enough for us to lift the trophy, and here's why. Not every single T20 match is going to be played at the Cake Tin in Wellington, which is flat as a pancake uh, and smaller than the Adelaide Oval all the way around. That is absolutely a series for the Space Jam players, right? Your Tim Davids who can come in and hit it from ball one. But we're, we're playing in the West Indies. We're going to be playing in America. I mean, I don't even know what the conditions are going to be like in the US, but we know in the West Indies, so can, those conditions, if they're comparable to anywhere, it is India, it is Sri Lanka. They're going to be lower grounds that some of these big Space Jam players, they're not necessarily going to be at their absolute best. We're going to need some people to hold it together in the middle over, to rotate strike, to manipulate bowlers, which is where a guy like Steve Smith absolutely comes to the forefront. Does he have all the power of a Glenn Maxwell? Does he have all the timing of a David Warner and that brute strength and ability to hit over the top of Travis Head? No, he doesn't. But he's not far off, but beyond anything else, He's a guy who can adapt to conditions better than anyone else. We spoke about him on this podcast before. He is a problem solver. If he's nothing else, we saw how well he took to opening the batting on a very difficult gap of pitch against the West Indies, almost getting us home in that second test. And that, I think that those skills are going to translate really well to hold him up for a spot in the Australian T20 team for that World Cup. Big yes from Maxi Bright and on Smithy uh, to feature for us in the World Cup in that squad. Hammy, you see it a little differently, mate. You think his days may be numbered in the, the T20 side? I think he's done. I think uh, we're booting towards this World Cup at the end of this year. Uh, there's a few older guys already in that team at the moment. Um, Dave Warner, probably the, the notable one there. He's got a couple of years on Smithy. I just don't see where he comes back into the team, who he's better at T20 cricket than. Um, you know, he's, he's not been picked up by an IPL side for this year or for the last couple of years. We've got some... Um, Hotter young studs coming through. Uh, you think of Jake Fraser McGurk, Matt Short. He hasn't been used that much in um, in the National T20 side as well. Bit of a waste there. He's probably in the form of his life, 28 years old. Really suited to this form of the game. Gives a bit with the ball and, and a few things like that as well to balance out the side. 
So I think, unfortunately, for Steve Smith, uh, his T20 international days are behind him. Still plenty of test cricket, still plenty of one-day cricket to be had from Smudge, but I can't see how he forces his way back into uh, a team that is playing exciting cricket. Um, everyone's in form. No one's really begging to be dropped. Uh, they're winning uh, and they're building towards something special, playing a, an exciting brand under under Mitch Marsh. So I think uh, his days are done. Maxie, we look at the batting order from that first T20 of New Zealand. Travi Head, Davey Warner opening, Mitch Marsh, Maxwell, Inglis, Timmy David, and Matt Short before it gets into our bowling attack. Where does Steve Smith come back in that lineup for you, and how does the order turn around to fit him in? Yeah, it's a really good question. And beyond Steve Smith, I think that there's probably two major selection hurdles uh, within that squad. The first is going to be the wicketkeeper position. Uh, Josh English batted at number five. Uh, on the other night Um, and I think that Matt Wade's probably going to come straight back in for him just given that he's much more akin to batting lower in the order and some of his knocks the last time we lifted the T20 World Cup trophy were quite frankly match winning but I I think it is that middle order spot I think it's that number four spot that Glenn Maxwell batted in firstly Maxwell's got the ability and the gears to bat at five which we know is really really difficult but at number four you really need someone who who can hold things together um, if things aren't going well the facts are with Head and Warner swinging for the rafters for six overs. There's going to be games where we're two for not many in that period. Um, Marsh as well, you know, he, he does have ability to play through the gears. He can hit big, but if we lose wickets over there, he's got a rare ability to hold things together. So I think that he can slot into that number four. Matt Short, Inglis, the guys to make way for Matt Wade and Steve Smith in my mind. Hammy, Maxi sort of alluded there to it's a very explosive order. A lot of, yeah, let's not say hit and hope. But a lot of very, very aggressive batsmen. There's no real anchor in the list that I just read out. You know, let's say we do get a few dodgier decks in the T20 World Cup. There isn't one there. Is that a concern for you? How do you see that? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's too much of a concern. And the other thing I'd say as well is um, I don't know if Steve Smith sees himself as that style of T20 player. When he's been playing, uh, he's limited T20 cricket in the last little bit. He's been doing so as an opening batter. Mm. Um, so he wants to go to the top in that format of the game. Um, I'd, I'd like to think, and I think this is the way they're approaching it, the Aussie T20 side is, yeah, they're stacked with guys that can hit the ball really hard, but they'll be hoping two or three of them at least can come off for them every time. The law of averages would suggest that not all seven of the top seven are going to fail. Uh, they're just backing the firepower there to come off and to work. They bat deep. Matt Short was listed to come in next in the, in the last game um, at number seven. So, you know, that they've got a good deep batting lineup. Hopeful that one or two of them can come off. T20 is one of those games. I don't think you can – you can't really afford to have a guy see, you know, go to run a ball like you can in a, in a one-dayer. Still plays for Steve Smith in the one-day team, no doubt. But um, I just think the way they're looking to play their cricket, I can't see a spot for him. All righty. And, I mean, you look – it's a good point around him opening up. The back end of the last two Big Bash campaigns, he's gone back and spent a bit of time with the Sixers, albeit quite limited, but he's been terrific in those. Again, on pretty decent decks and whatnot, but I was very torn going into this one, so I had no no bias either way, but I'm going to lean narrowly towards Maxi Bryden and saying that his days yes. aren't in the T20 squad. I just think a bloke of his class is what he's 34, but these days 34 is the new 27, isn't it? So 
Uh, I think there's still a future for him at the T20 World Cup. I think he'll be in the squad, and I, I'm with you, Maxi. I think there's there's still room for a little bit of an anchor at three or four, namely number four for that side. Sorry, you had me about that one. Boys, we move on to the Australia versus New Zealand Test Series preview. Going over there, I'll be honest, at doing a bit of research, I knew we'd been dominant over there, but it amazed me how dominant we had been over there in Test Cricket over the last four series. In 2015-16, we won 2-0. 29-2010, we won 2-0. 04-05, we won 2-0 with a draw. Uh, and back in 01-02, we won 3-0. So in the last 10 test matches there, Australia have won nine, New Zealand have won zero, and we've had one draw. I suppose the first question there, Maxi, is this New Zealand side, like they're a talented squad. There's a lot of ability in there. What do they have to do to turn the tables on Australia? Can they, you know, will Australia be impacted mentally, subconsciously by that loss to the West Indies on home turf off the back of what was a dominant summer before that? How do you see this one playing out? How can New Zealand get the upper hand and turn the tables? Yeah, I think if you want to try and think about the blueprint, you've only got to cast your mind back to the last time that they toured Australia. Um, and while they did some pretty embarrassing things, um, opening the uh, bowling with uh, De Granholm in the Sydney Test was one of them. Um, don't think you could even get the ball above 130. But um, you, you might remember a, a bloke called Neil Wagner, who was one of the first bowlers in the world to really find a chink in Steve Smith's armour. Now, playing Test cricket, not in your home conditions, is difficult at the best of times. But um, I think for New Zealand to have... Uh, any real chance here. Um, their quicks uh, are going to have to fire. Um, they've got some really, really solid um, uh, players as well. And, and Tim Southey, he's a skipper these days. He feels like he's been playing cricket for, uh, since the dawn of time. But um, in, in a pace attack that will feature um, Southey, Wagner, the left arm, we know what he's going to bring. Um, just chippy and a million bounces. Um, I think a, a guy like Matt Henry, I feel, is going to be sort of make or break for the Kiwis in this series. Um, those conditions, they may be a little bit more conducive to swing bowling, probably like a bit like a game in Tasmania more so than a game in Australia. Um, if he's able to sort of nibble the ball around um, and, and get rid of a few of the Australian top order cheap, then we could be looking at uh, another series uh, or a result akin to what happened against the West Indies. But I'm really looking forward to it. Hammy, how do you see it, mate? And what sort of hope are you giving the Black Caps going into this series? I think it'll be a good competitive series. I always love when we play the Black Caps. And I know the, the recent history that you alluded to there, Timmy, doesn't paint the best picture for them uh, when they square up against Australia. But it's always a good contest. Uh, they're always two good sides. And we're so close to each other, I think, geographically. We should play a lot more. How, how much more excited would everyone have been for the summer of cricket over here if we had a couple of tests against the Black Caps in it? Um, I still think we're going to be too good for them. I think our bowling attack is just that little class above and you generally get a little bit of assistance over there for the quicks uh, in New Zealand as well. Uh, The big test, I suppose, is going to be Steve Smith still at the top of the order as an opener. And you mentioned there, uh, Maxie, some of the, uh, you know, Neil Wagner basically was the first guy to just persist with going short to him. Um, And that kind of, uh, you know, brought about a little bit of a change in, in Smith's game. But Moving ball over there, quality bowlers. You mentioned Tim Southey, a bit of an expert at getting uh, early assistance uh, with with the new pill. It'll be a test for him. So um, this will be a really interesting one, I think, in the Steve Smith as an opener experiment. If he can succeed over there or at least hold his own, I think he's going to be locked in there for the next little while. If uh, they can, you know, expose a few frailties in his game or, um, you know, d- dismiss him uh, cheaply across the two games, 
maybe then we are looking at a Bancroft or someone like that who had a good hit out in the shield the other day, another ton for Bancroft. Um, maybe the, the, the questions keep coming there. But uh, that, for me, is going to be the really interesting contest through the series. Yeah, good points there, mate. And that is the big watch, isn't it, for everyone going into the series. We know when Steve Smith moved to the top of the order for that West Indies series to replace David Warner. There are a few question marks there, a lot of critics around it, but they go over to New Zealand now. There will be a moving ball in those early overs. It's going to be an enormous test for Smitty. So, Maxi, I think... It'll make or break him this series as an opener. If he goes over there and he doesn't get any runs, there are no half centuries, I think they have to go and look at someone like Bancroft. As Hammy mentioned, you know, coming off another shield ton, he can't do sort of too, too much more there. Uh, how do you see it? I think that is the way that I would like it to be seen, but I don't think it's the way that it's going to be seen. And yeah. I think the facts are that alongside Steve Smith is another real old bloke opening the batting with him in Usman Khawaja. Um, for as fantastic as he has been going for the last three or four summers, um, he's not getting any younger. So if anyone's spot in the team uh, is potentially uh, up for grabs, um, it might be some some something uh, around the retirement of Usman Khawaja opening the spot up for another opener. Where's um, this come from, that... mate? <laughs> well, what I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get dropped Oh, it's certainly not talking about getting dropped or anything like that. It's more so retirement. I mean, he's got uh, probably a good 12 months left of, of wanting to play around the world. I mean, the bloke was already sitting out shield matches before this summer, to, which was quite unusual to sort of refresh himself and get ready for the test summer, a test summer he performed very well in. But I, I think more so than anything, I'm just trying to say that Steve has got a lot of credits in the bank off the back of that um, West Indies performance now. And I think that he's got at least 12 months doing this Um at the very least. And if we do see a change um, at all, it, it might be 12 months down the track uh, when Uzi's time finally comes. But, mate, uh, Uzi, if you're listening, you know I love you, mate. 37 years old now, Uzi Kwaja, and still absolutely banging out runs for fun. Boys, the New Zealand batting order. Kane Williamson, world number one ranked test batsman. Ravindra has also been tremendous of late, a double ton in that first test, I believe it was, against South Africa. Daryl Mitchell, number three batsman in the world test rankings with a foot injury, missed the second test against South Africa. That sounded like it was precautionary that hopefully it was to get himself right for the Australian series. Hammy, there's plenty of talent there to put runs on the board and I can't wait to see the battle between these three in particular and the Australian quicks. Agree. Uh, great bowling attack, which we mentioned a moment ago, and particularly in... Um... Uh, Williamson there just made tons for fun against, uh, admittedly, a second-string South African side, but he's uh, zipped past Virat Kohli's uh, test-ton record. He's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. Definitely New Zealand's best best uh, test batter, um, and he seems like he's seeing him like beach balls at the moment. So he's going to be a great matchup for for our bowlers. And Ratchin Ravindra, I think every now and again a player comes along who's just like bums on seats, and if you get a chance to go and watch them, um, you take it. And I think at the moment, for me, over the last six months, this guy would have to be right up there for me across all formats, just teeing off um, an elegant batsman. He just makes it look so easy, very stylish as well. Uh, and he's been doing it, you know, did the business in the World Cup, looked really comfortable there. It doesn't really matter who the opposition is. This T20 series as well, he didn't look intimidated by our bowlers. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how he goes about his business as well. I think... Um, that's going to be – those will be the, the key matchups for our bowlers. You mentioned Daryl Mitchell as well, um, on fire, one of the highest-paid players in the IPL now too. So this is going to be a great series. I think um, 
it matches up well. Three elite batters. Don't forget Devin Conway as well, who yeah. hasn't really done anything wrong over the past three or four years, again, across the formats. You've got four four or five great batters there. Um, you know, Tommy Latham as well. Um, it's going to be a great, great matchup between them and what is the best bowling attack in the world as well. So uh, if our guys can get on top, that'll be the key to us winning, I think. Yeah, so so freaking excited for this one. Uh, Max, was there anything to add there around the batting order? No, look, I think uh, Hammy almost named them 1 through 11. Um, but it, it, they're, they're a very interesting team in one that we don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to as Australians, but um, it's probably pretty disrespectful um, in, in some senses because they've got a, some genuine worldies in their lineup. Um, you, you mentioned me, Hammy, but I, I love Glenn Phillips as well. He's just such a competitor. Um, it reminds me a lot of the type of cricketer that Ben Stokes is in that um, he can really win a match um, uh, if he gets in a mood. So um, should be a fantastic series. And, yeah, some, some really, really solid uh, cricketers from Kiwis against hopefully the best bowling attack um, in the world, um, provided they've still got the energy after a big summer. So it should be a cracker. Hammy, I've just take, seen you take a sip out of your Powerade bottle there, mate. Um, bit of a story behind that one, I believe. So, well, look, you've got to get this bond saved, mate. It's actually a Gatorade bottle. Gatorade, um, sorry. But, uh, yeah, look, went down to the Shield on the weekend and uh, couldn't, unfortunately, coax my partner to come and join me to that one. She'd, she, she'd seen enough cricket after the, uh, the Marsh Cup a couple of days prior. But uh, there was someone kind of rolling around in a Cricket Australia tracksuit um, with a big drinks container with all these bottles in there. Um, and I was there with uh, one of my mates' um, families, and they, they had a couple of kids running around. And he goes, oh, would, would your kids like one of these bottles? They're actually the bottles that were used by the Aussie team uh, over the course of the summer. And uh, I think they got Starkey's bottle and maybe Paddy Cummins' bottle. I was like, how good is this? Um, and uh, I said to the bloke, did you don't mind if I take one for my young fella, do you? Um, I don't have any, don't have any kids. Uh, and he goes, no dramas, mate. So uh, I'm the happy owner of um, Travis Head's uh, bottle from the uh, the summer of cricket. Um, so How good. You've got to stay hydrated, eh? Young <laughs> Hammy G Jr. landing himself a Travis Head water bottle. How good is that? And putting it to good use as well by the looks of it. Putting it to great use, just breaking it in for um, one of these days. Um, I have a, a young uh, boy or girl and they, they can enjoy a, a test bottle. I'm just keeping it warm for them. So we're on tearing it by the time uh, little Hammy G comes around. <laughs> Boys, moving on to the England and India series. India going up 2-1 in that one. Dasball, going to dust a little bit. Is it time for them to give it up? Is there enough life in it that they stick by it? In the third test, uh, 319 runs in the first innings. Ben Duckett with a remarkable knock in that 153 of 151 balls. The next best score was 41. They were rolled for 121 in the second innings. Can't blame dodgy decks, anything like that, because Jai Wall hit a double ton in the second innings. There were 29 runs between the top five. The top scorers for the Poms in that innings were Hartley and Wood batting at nine and ten for them. <laughs> On top of all that, boys, <laughs> Ben Duckett came out when asked around Jai Wall and his innings, and Duckett said, to quote, when you see players from the opposition playing like that, it almost feels like we should take some credit that they're playing differently than how the other people play test cricket. We saw it a bit in the summer, and it's quite exciting to see other players and other teams are also playing that aggressive style of cricket. Hammy, I'll start with you. 
And two ways of, to, to answer that one. Because firstly, there's Bazball, is it done? Because it's starting to, a lot of cracks appearing in the last 12 months. Secondly, Ben Duckett basically saying the Poms are responsible for Jai Sawal's double century and the speedy hit of that. Please. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to start with the second one there. These blokes are <laughs> the biggest bunch of delusional uh, flogs going around in uh, in the game at the moment. Um now, I don't often agree with Michael Clark, but he had some comments through the week uh, where he basically said, these blokes walk around as though they're the first people ever to go around uh, and bat with intent in test cricket. Go and yeah. have a look at Michael Slater, Matty Hayden, Ricky Ponting, Damian Martin, blokes who have been doing it for years. Um, this is not a new concept. It's just the first time that England have come out of their shell and sort of joined the party in the past 20 or 30 years. So ridiculous to, to start with that. This is a team as well. They haven't even won an Ashes series at home in the past 10 years. They haven't won an Ashes game, an Ashes match away in 13 years now. So for them to kind of walk around as though they are the um, the Pied Pipers of Test cricket and and setting the tone the world round is just ridiculous. Um, Jai's well is a special talent. He's been doing this to attacks in all forms of the game for mm. five years, uh, you know, right through from the under-19 World Cup through to now. Um, he doesn't have to thank England for anything, um, apart from bowling a few pies to him over the course of the last couple of Test matches. But fair income to claim uh, to claim that the, the way they're batting is all because of England is just ridiculous. Yeah, there's a certain um, former Indian Test opener, little name you might not have heard of him. His name was Verenda Saywag. 104 Test matches, average 49 with the bat, and a strike rate of 82.23. I would love to see what Sayawak has to say about uh, the Pommies being the influence on Jai Swall there as an Indian opener, routing it a decent click. Sayawak, he's got some, he's got Ben Duckett and the boys to thank for that great career that he carved <laughs> out 25 years ago. So, thanks, thanks, boys, for that one, uh, Maxi. <laughs> I suppose on the on the baseball, there's a lot of cracks in it now. They look the Poms look like they're going to persist with it and not change their mentality too much, which, you know, it's a credit to them in one sense. They've got this game plan, they're sticking with it. What we can't deny is that it is exciting to watch. Duckett himself, as I said, 153 off 151. You can't not get around that. But, you know, is it losing its traction? Are oppositions working it out? How do you see it? I think, first of all, I hope that it never stops because it's hilarious um, and I'm just really here for all of the uh, the content around it. But um, secondly, um, without trying to give them sort of too much credit, before Brendan McCullum took over as test coach, I think they had won just one of their last 17 test matches under what was like a really dysfunctional team environment under Chris Silverwood and, and Joe Root as skipper. So uh, in that sense, the players are playing above themselves even though the results at the moment against India um, are getting pretty ugly. But the way that I look at it is that we know India already is the hardest place to tour in world cricket. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, you play baseball, you lose by a million. It's everyone else's fault um, and you can take credit for the victory. You know, and if you win, you look like a genius. You know, you're reinventing this game that's over, you know, 100 years old and, and no one's ever sort of mm. thought to, to try this approach. So... I think as funny as it is, it has genuinely been good for cricket. It's been good for English cricket um, and I really don't see it changing anytime soon. And um, personally, I I can't wait for two years' time when they're out here for the Asher series against our boys uh, to see what it looks like on Australian decks. 
So it looks exciting. like five nil. Yeah, another, another <laughs> one. And, yep. and for all the for all the piss that we do take uh, out of our pommy mate, it had, it's been awesome for Test cricket for headlines and watching the game itself. Um, I tell you what, the the next test, I believe it's starting this afternoon. That fourth test, Ben Stokes. His, his quotes on the deck there. It is going to be very interesting how baseball plays out and if they stick to that because, to quote Ben Stokes, when asked about the pitch, I don't know. I've never seen something like that before, so I've got no idea. Yeah, when asked how he might how it might play, I don't know what could happen. <laughs> you look down one side of opposite ends, it just looked different to what I'm used to seeing, especially out in India. It looked green and grassy up in the changing rooms, but then you go out there, it looked different. Very dark and crumbly and quite a few cracks in it before the test started. I am looking forward to this test, uh, especially if it's over in Should a day be fun. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Boys, our last topic before we get into our World Team of the Week discussion, Jais Wall, the Indian Open, he's an absolute sensation. This series against England, Scores of 80 and 15 in the first test, 209 and 17 in the second test, 10 and 214 unbeaten in the second innings of that third test. Hammy, there's a, a pretty incredible background to this kid. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great story. Um, he basically moved from Mumbai when, at the age of 12 uh, to play at the the cricket, uh, the Azad Maiden, they call it. Then, If you've heard of this place before, it's basically the ground where Sachin Tendulkar famously uh, cut his teeth there. There's basically 30 games of cricket all going on on this uh, this one kind of big grassy facility. And um, this is where they kind of really come to refine their skills, uh, really talented young Indian players. So he moved there at the age of 12, slept in a tent, uh, and he was actually selling Pani Puri street food to make ends meet and get himself the best opportunity to, to make his way through the pathway. Um, he did that really well, went to the uh, Under-19 World Cup. He was the player of the tournament there, um, got a deal through the IPL, dominated there, uh, went to the Ranji Trophy, smashed heaps of runs there as well. Uh, and then he's finally started to get his crack in the test, um, in the test arena, and he's just absolutely smashing it. Um, he's obviously been the best uh, batter of the series so far, over 540 runs at an average of 109 for the series. Just a great... Um, a great yarn, inspirational story. Just a, a, a kid who clearly wanted it so badly has made it happen. And um, he's been a pleasure to watch. Um, and he's got Ben Duckett to thank for it, which is great. Um, so uh, enjoying his work so far through this series. I think we're going to be talking about him for many years to come um, on this show as well. 
He's so, so special. And as I said, to hear that and the way he's gone about to get where he is now, uh, you can't help but not like the kid. Test cricket thus far in his career, averaging 71.75, 861 with that top score now of 214 not out. That is in seven matches in T20 International, 17 matches, 502 runs. He already has a ton there, averaging 33, striking at 161.9. As I said, sky's the limit. Maxi, how good can he be? Oh, I think that um, he can be great. And I think what's amazing so far to start his career, and as you you told it so well, Hammy, is just that um, he's capable of starring in three formats. Mm. Um, he's got IPL centuries. He's got test centuries. I'm sure his one-day form is fine as well. And I think we're probably talking about um, a player who could be in those echelons of the Rohits, um, the, the Virats, um, in years to come, if he continues on this trajectory, the, the sky's really the limit. And uh, all, all of his backstory just speaks about uh, a desire and a drive, which um, a lot of people have, but it's only when you can really match that with skills that you're capable of um, touching the sky like he's, he's done so far in his career. So it's fantastic to watch. And, and, and once again, another guy I hope and I can't wait to see in the flesh next summer uh, on our shores as well. Can't wait to see his career unfold. And as you said, that next series coming up. Uh, when they do get down here on Australian soil, boys, part two of the show, the time where we reveal the world team of the week. We get you up to scratch on all the best performances in world cricket. We've scoured every major fixture, both domestic and international, to vote on the world team of the week. We then give out three, two, one for the best performance in the world for that corresponding week, with the votes going towards our Hall of Nations leaderboard. Each player's points go towards their tally for their country to see who reigns supreme at the end of the year. This week, we go back to February 13 and the fixtures since then. We do give heavier weighting in our votes to obviously international cricket uh, rather than the domestic sort of stuff. Hammy, you were looking after the Sheffield Shield, the Marsh Cup, which is the Australian uh, one-day tournament domestic and the Australia versus New Zealand first T20 international. Maxi, you had the Sri Lanka versus Afghanistan T20s and ODIs and the India versus England third test. I was looking after the Pakistan Super League the ILT20, the finale to that tournament, uh, and that second test, New Zealand versus South Africa. A shout-out also to the MI Emirates who won the ILT20 tournament. Hammy, I'll start with you, mate, and we need to pick a top three for our side. Who are your nominations? Uh, for sure. So my nominations this week, um, Tom Rogers, we spoke about him, uh, really added a bit of spice to my Valentine's Day date with Mon uh, last week. 196. Uh, he scored up 142 balls, 15 fours and 15 sixes as well. Uh, remarkable hitting. And what's what makes it even better for Tom, it happened in a losing side. So he can't be blamed for anything. Um, he's played the house down. Remarkable knock. Uh, he's my first nomination and one I'm pretty confident will get a start in the side. Um, my other ones I had were Caleb Jewell, 227 against WA in the Sheffield Shield. Obviously, a lesser degree of difficulty. It ended up being turning into a bit of a flatty. Still a great knock, but um, I think compared to a couple of our other nominees, he may just miss out. And then um, I've got Mitch Marsh uh, as well, 72 of 44 balls, seven sixes, and, and some handy bowling as well, one for 21. So those are my top three for this week. Yeah, I, I mentioned just before that to crack this side – from domestic cricket, particularly Australian domestic, because we do have a good look at Shield and Marsh Cup. It does have to be pretty impressive to get in there. Just to take away 
Make sure we're not too, too biased towards our Aussies. Uh, but Tommy Rogers won 96 with 15 sixes in a losing side. That's pretty hard yep. to beat. Maxi, who did you find? Got a couple, or oh, one guy actually really from the Sri Lanka and Afghanistan series over there. Very dominant um, in all three formats for Sri Lanka. But Pathan Masanka scored 118 off 101 in the third ODI, a big win for Sri Lanka. Uh, then we get into that third test match between uh, India and England. Rohit Sharma opening the batting scored 131 in the first innings against England. Uh, and then we get into two of probably my favorite openers for this week. So firstly, Ben Duckett. Um, before the quote, you know, he was sort of really <laughs> touching player of the week areas. But um, his innings were still remarkable uh, for England in that first innings. 153 from 151. Um, most of those boundaries as well, there was a lot of them, um, were switch hits, reverse sweeps, um, just really, really brutal stuff and, and fantastic to see, really epitomizing baseball. Um, and then Jaisal, lucky enough to, to call him one of my nominations this week, 214 in that second innings with 12 sixes, still just 22, a couple of double tons to his name, um, a fantastic player as well to go with the century on debut. So they are my openers. Yes, not too shabby there, mate. Some pretty red-hot uh, nominations there. I had Mohammad Rizwan in the Pakistan Super League for the Multan Sultans. Shout out to the Multan Sultans for having one of the coolest names in world sport. 82 balls, 82 balls, 82 runs off 59 balls there. Rassi van der Dusen, also in the Pakistan Super League. What a freaking star he's been of late. Cannot help but score 50 for fun. Uh, for the Lahore Quilanders, 71 not out of 41 balls. And Shadab Khan in the Pakistan Super League for the Islamabad United, 74 not out of 41. Batting at number three, Shadab. And one for 12 of 2.1 overs as well. Boys, we've discussed off-air our nominations and who we're going to put in this week in our top three. We've plugged in Jaisawal. Tommy Rogers and Ben Duckett. So congratulations to those boys. I'm sure they're listening to the podcast uh, right now. <laughs> pretty stoked about getting in the team of the week. Hammy, our middle order, our number four to number seven, including a wicketkeeper, of course. Who are your noms? Uh, yes, well, I, I'm not sure whether um, Mitch Marsh might find a spot in here in in the four to six bracket. I know he batted at three, but you know we spoke about him a minute ago. I'm going to throw him in there as a nom. Um, Ratchan Ravindran, um, also on a losing side, but we spoke about his first kind of like hit out in a T20 against the Aussies, looked good. 68 off 35 balls, including six sixes as well. Um, that's pretty good going uh, in a T20. So I've got him in there. And then Tim David. I mean, when you look at the raw numbers, I mean, the raw numbers are still very impressive. 31 runs he made, but it was off 10 balls, and it's when it really counted as well. So... Those are my three um, that I'm putting out there for the four to six spots this week. That's it, mate. It's not all about the raw numbers and belting tons off 50 balls. If you can get a side home in the fashion Timmy David did, you're going to be a big chance to get in the team of the week yep. on the Cricketers Playbook podcast. Maxi, what do you got? Three for you this week. First one is Ravi Jadeja, the man with his magic sword for his 112 in the first innings and seven wickets for the game, including Pfeiffer Far uh, in that second innings and a huge victory. Um, also love that he ran uh, out his batting partner trying to get to that century um, in the first innings. That was really good comedy. Um, it was probably the funniest thing in that match until Ben Duckett opened his mouth. Um, number number six, uh, Hasaranga from Sri Lanka, uh, one of my favourite leg spinners, 67 off 32 and one for 20 um, in a tight four-run victory in the first T20I for the Sri Lanka played against Afghanistan. It's also had a monster Isle T20 series as well, turning himself into a real all-round talent. And number seven, the veteran Angelo Matthews, 
made his way to the crease this time, wasn't timed out, which is always good to see. Good start. And scored 42 off 22 and two for nine off two overs against Afghanistan as well. Very good, mate. I found Nicholas Poran, the West Indian master blaster. Jeez, I'd love to see him back in the Big Bash after that short stint uh, a couple of years ago in the ILT20 tournament. For the MI Emirates, 57 not out of 27 balls. He also took two catches and he was captain in that fixture. Jahandad Khan in the Pakistan Super League for Lahore Kalanders, 45 not out of 17. Not a bad knock either. And talk about favourites of this podcast. I think we're five episodes into the birth of the Cricketers Playbook podcast. The bloke who features just about every week, the Zimbabwean, Sikander Raza in the ILT yeah. 20 tournament. might have been in the Eliminator. Dubai Capitals, 40 off 19 and two for 27 off four. I love this man. And I think you mentioned He's it off the Maxi. Get him to the BBLs. Give him whatever he wants. Let him write his own check. Boys, <laughs> speaking off air, we have picked our middle order. Mitchell Marsh, yes, we've got him at number four. We've demoted him a little bit, so not entirely fair, but we thought he was too hard to ignore for that knock there. Mitchie Marsh, Jadeja at number five. Hasaranga at number six. And Hammy, I believe you had a seventh that you forgot to mention, a certain wicketkeeper who who did all right during the week. A certain world record-breaking wicketkeeper. Let's get him in there. Alex Carey took eight catches uh, in the Marsh Cup. Um, so didn't have a great day with the bat there in that particular game. Went all right in the Shield game, got a 90 and a 50. Um, but for that particular hit out, eight catches in a one-day uh, match, I mean, pretty tough to go past that for, for out, an out-and-out wicketkeeper. Yeah, look, I'm pretty devastated that he's kept Raza out of this team. But when you break a world record for catches, you kind of got to have him in there, don't you? Uh, hey, you speaking of uh, Raza there, Timmy, I was just going to say, he'd be, he'd be a fantastic marquee signing for the Canberra Comets when they come back in, I reckon. <laughs> so Jeez, he'd put some bums Raza. on seats. He'd put bums on seats Reach down at Marnie Absolutely, he would. Hammy, your bowling nominations. I've got a couple here. Ben Dwarshus, 4 for 40 off nine overs in the game where um, Tommy Rogers went berserk. So kept it tight, took a few polls there as well. Will it be enough to get him in? Not sure, potentially not. I've got Jordan Buckingham. Um, he took six for 40 of his 10 overs against Queensland uh, and helped out uh, Alex Carey with plenty of those catches as well. Uh, then I also had Joel Paris, 4 for 48 and 3 for 59 in the Shield game. As well, but I think probably Jordan Buckingham was my strongest uh, nomination this week. Very good, Maxi. Who'd you come up with? Made a bit of a duck egg when it came to the bowlers this week. I mean, my, my best performer was Ravi Jadeja, but he batted five, so um, we've already spoken about him. Uh, so yeah, no one of note in the bowlers, boys. Um, you're gonna have to lift your game. Jeez, I tell you what, you're lucky you uh, you lifted at the top of the order on the Pakistan Super League. Some very flat decks by the looks of it over there, so might not have too many bowling performances. From that tournament either. I did come up with a few though. Dane Pete, South Africa, South Africa seconds, potentially the South Africa thirds in that test against the Black Caps. Five for 89 and three for 93. In that, So the Kiwis won by seven wickets. In the second innings, obviously, they took three wickets, the South Africans, uh, and Pete took all three of them. So who eight wickets in that fixture. That's pretty impressive. Frankie Worrell, Dan Worrell, what a man in the ILT20 tournament for the Gulf Giants. Three for 15 off four. Thank you. The absolute cult hero. Also, Muhammad Ali, not the boxer. Pakistan Super League, Multan Sultans, another representative from the mighty Sultans. Three for 19 off four overs. And lastly, Will O'Rourke, 
fought New Zealand against South Africa in that test match, four for 59 and five for 34, so a nine-wicket haul in that. Boys, speaking off air, our four bowlers for the week, Dane Pete, Dan Worrell, Jordan Buckingham, and Will O'Rourke. Uh, I'll take credit for three of those four finds. Now, boys, the 3-2-1 voting for our players of the week, for our Hall of Nations leaderboard. We're off cuff here. There's been no discussions off air. Hammy and Maxi, we need to find our 3-2-1. Who are the ones that stand out for you firstly, Hammy? What are you looking at? I think Jai's wall, very tough to go past. And the fact that he's got a couple of double tons now in, in recent times in a, in a test match. Mm. He's probably going to be my three votes, I think. Um, Tommy Rogers had the, probably the day of his career there. Um, and I was lucky enough to be there for a part of it. So he's going to get two votes for me today. One vote... Look, that's a tough one. I'm not really sure who to give one vote to. Um, maybe Willow Rourke, um, you know, put his name on the map a little bit, but you could probably throw a blanket over a couple of them. Um, well, I might have to – maybe I've got to back one of my own boys in here. Maybe I've got to give it to Tim David for just doing a pretty remarkable – you know, we said the raw numbers weren't probably going to take your breath away completely, but they're still outstanding. And just because of how clutch it was, I'm going to give Tim I David mean, Tim one, David one didn't vote. Tim David even get there. How I many Tim David didn't even get in our team of the week, let alone on our three-two-one? He was edged out by Hasaranga. Uh, well, I'd like to review that, but uh, <laughs> one, one vote. Right. Then, I'll, if, if he's not in, that's no fair. I will give it to O'Rourke because he's going to be a player I'm looking forward to watching plenty over the next couple of weeks. Very good, mate. Uh, Maxi, what do you got? Uh, three for Jaiswal again. Um, he's a monster, and I, I love the cut of his jib. Um, I'm going to give two to Tommy Rogers, um, losing side, but just an absolute worldie of a knock. Um, and I think that, you know, that's probably bumped him up from a one to a two for me that it wasn't a losing side. Um, and one point to Ravi Jadeja. Um, he does it so consistently that you sort of forget how incredible it is for a bloke to score a test century um, and take a fifer in the same match. So um, certainly worth acknowledging him. So I'll give him one point. I'm going to give my three to Jaisawal. I'm probably surprised one here. I do have a soft spot for people that deliver in losing teams. I always have just because sometimes you just can't do any more to get your team across the line. But Dane Pete in that South African side going over New Zealand, you know, they didn't take any of their guns over basically. To come up with eight wickets in that fixture in a very well-beaten team, I think that's phenomenal. So I'm going to give two to the South African. And then I'm also, I don't feel great about this, but Benny Duckett, 153 off 151 over there in a pretty ordinary team. That's not a bad knock. Hammy is absolutely filthy with me. Yeah, I'm still a bit uh, rattled by the fact that uh, Tim David didn't get a, a gig in the team of the week, to be honest. And then this, this has really thrown me now that you're, you're backing Ben Duckett. <laughs> I don't feel good about it, mate. I'm trying to take the bias out of it. Tommy Rogers was phenomenal, but just the Australian domestic, uh, I'm going to look more towards the international scene this week. Boys, our three, two, one voting for the week. We've got a three, we've got a two. The three is Jaisawal. The two is Tommy Rogers. The one, we're dead set split. Tiebreaker, uh, how do we do that? I might jump in here, uh, Timmy. I could easily be swayed to Jadeja over Willow Rourke. So if you want to go to Jadeja, I know Maxi threw him out there. Um, tough to ignore uh, how good he was this week as well. Oof. All righty. Jadeja. Gets one vote in our team. Of the week. celebrating. Uh, all righty. Where does that leave us on the Hall of Nations leaderboard? India are flying out in front on eleven on eleven votes off the back of 
five votes this week. England remain in second on five. Australia shoot up to equal third on three votes with South Africa and the West Indies. On two, we have Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Uh, and down the bottom, New Zealand and Bangladesh on one each. So see if the uh, the Black Caps, after a few tests against the Aussies and T20s, can make their way back up the leaderboard. Boys, that'll wrap us up for this week's podcast. Maxi, thank you as always, mate. Absolute pleasure, man. Really looking forward to the rest of this T20 series against New Zealand and the test matches. Hammy, we might have to wait uh, a tick over a week for our next podcast because you're shooting overseas, mate. What do you got on? Over to Vegas. If anyone knows where I can watch the Chapel Hadley test series over there, uh, please let me know because I'll be very keen to um, stump up somewhere come Thursday, I think, leading into the leading into the footy. MGM Grand, mate. I'm sure they'll have it on for you. I think they also cover the Marsh Cup and Shield there, so you'll be in heaven. Enjoy. Hey, we've got a triple header on. We've got a triple header in the Shield on Thursday, so fingers crossed they can deliver. Yeah, you'll be set over in Vegas then, boys. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys, for tuning in. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.